Welcome to the Entrusting the Faith podcast. Unsure how to help your family grow spiritually? The Entrusting the Faith podcast equips families so that future generations may know Christ, learn biblical instruction, grow closer to Christ, and apply the tools learned to build a legacy. I am your host, Eric Rutherford, and I am excited to be your guide today on the Entrusting the Faith podcast. Welcome to the Entrusting the Faith podcast. I'm your host, Eric Rutherford, and this is episode eight of a 10 podcast series uh, where we're launching uh, my new book, Leading Well at Home, How Husbands and Fathers Can Biblically Lead Their Families. Uh, so I am joined today by my daughter, Jill. Hey, Jill. Hello. Hey, so uh, you're in eighth grade, right? I am. Yeah. Awesome, eighth grade. So I know with the COVID year and everything's being weird on top of just being in eighth grade starting eighth grade. So how have your expectations been in terms of what you thought eighth grade would be like and what they really are right now? Um, it's pretty similar. I didn't really have any expectations going into it other than like, it's still middle school. Mm. So it's pretty much the same as seventh grade. Okay. Um, yeah. I mean, COVID's affected it a little bit, but you know, I'm homeschooled, so it hasn't affected it too much. Okay. So that's good. Good. I was just curious kind of how, how eighth grade looked now that you're, you know, about halfway through the first semester. So yes. cool. Awesome. Well, this is our Q&A time. And so I obviously threw some questions out there for her. Now it's her turn. She's going to ask me a question. I'll see, do my best to answer it. So what do you have for me this time? Cool. So my question for today is how can I be a good influence on non-believers without them being a bad influence on me? Like okay. what's the balance there? Yeah, wow. So that's that's a real I mean, that's a real question for all believers. Uh, and so I think the first thing we have to remember is, regardless of who the people are, who we are, we are all made in the image of God. The Bible tells us that. So we are all uh, His creation, and so that gives every person really just infinite value in his eyes. Mm -hmm. And so when we begin there, that helps us remember, okay, so that sets the tone. Mm -hmm. uh, another thing is to remember uh, as, as followers of Christ, we are to, uh, to love other people, mm -hmm. be gracious with other people, and so that can guide our actions as well. Now there, you know, there are some things that you know, we just need to, to pass on or you know, just kind of gently change the subject on or even yeah. just uh, sometimes step away from. And that's yeah. okay. Mm -hmm. But part of it is, is just acting with grace and compassion towards them. Mm -hmm. And then letting, you know, letting them see what Christ looks like. So mm -hmm. I think that's the, the best way. And then really looking and focusing on what, you know, who Christ is and really mm -hmm. looking to there for our identity. Because sometimes it's easy to want to be accepted or be liked by others and so it's that's not a bad thing however uh, yeah. we need to make sure that that our desire for acceptance is not of, of higher priority than than following Christ so yeah. does that help make sense yeah awesome well thank you for the question yes thank you for answering I'm excited for this podcast interview, uh, having a conversation with Daniel Sohar. Now, I got to know Daniel really through his son, Jack. So I taught Jack 
I guess now it's, I guess four years ago. Whoa, I had Jack in a sixth grade class uh, at our church. And so I had some great conversations with Jack, uh, just a lot of respect for him. And that just led to conversations with Daniel. And so I'm excited for this conversation because I'm looking forward to, to learning from Daniel. Uh, and I know you can too. Just tell me a little bit about your family. Like how long have you guys been married? How many kids you have? What's that look like? So I'm 36. Okay. My wife and I have been married for 16 years, five boys, ages seven to 15. Five boys, seven to 15. That is awesome. So one of the things that, that really struck me uh, just in, in having Jack in class, he knew a lot, but there was also, I could tell a lot of intentionality going on at home, you know, sure. in terms of what was going on. So how do you know to do that? There's a couple key factors that go into that. I think one of the biggest factors is the, um, the fact that my wife could be a stay-at-home mom. Okay. And so with us being a single income family, you know, me, the only one working outside the home, of course she works just, it's inside the home a hundred <laughs> times harder than me, but doesn't get a paycheck. Um, <laughs> her being able to be home and be present and consistently pour into the boys has been a uh -huh. huge relationship builder has been a huge okay. character builder and okay. has really done a lot into their lives. Now that to say, I also obviously have a part in that being his dad. And I think one of the biggest things is leading by example. Like okay. we've always been very intentional to be at church and to um, not ask our kids to do something that we don't do. So mm -hmm. in saying, Hey, you know, don't watch that movie, but mom and dad also won't watch that movie or don't say these words, but mom and dad won't say those words. So not being the dad that says, do as I say, not as I do, being the uh, dad that says, do as I do. So just that active role modeling of doing the best I can to follow Christ and him seeing that and following that example. There's got to be consistency across the board. Otherwise, it's empty in many cases. Sure. Were you mentored in some capacity by other guys or other couples? How does that look? In my early 20s, I recognized a pretty major need for someone to speak into my life. Okay. And so the church that Erica, my wife and I were going to at the time, there was an older gentleman who I knew had been a pastor and involved in missions and was a very wealthy, successful businessman. Okay. And I wanted to be him when I grew up. Like it was one of those people that you're just kind of attracted towards. Yeah. So I remember one Sunday approaching him and saying, Hey, would you mentor me? And it was very, very, I was, I was scared to death to go talk to him. I knew wow. him and he knew me, but just approaching him, and he gave me the weirdest answer imaginable in my mind. I was assuming, hey, a yes or a no. He goes, let me pray about it. And I was like, oh, that's a novel idea. And so he took a week or two, and then he met with me consistently for a while. It was probably every week. And then it maybe petered off to maybe every other week, you know, or twice uh -huh. a month. And he met with me, I think, for almost, I want to say, four to five years. Wow. And even now, um, at 36, I'll still call him, you know, he's, he's, we're originally from Ohio. So we moved here to Tennessee, but I'll still, it's been six years since I've been in Ohio and I'll still call him several times a year and just say, Hey, how you doing? I have this going on, that going on. And he's still there to connect and to talk with me. Um, wow. one of the other major things that just recently I've been doing that has helped me to be able to equip the boys and equip my family and to be there for them is my own intentional time with God. Okay. I have 
not done a good job consistently doing that as I'm sure every man will admit to or, who, or one who isn't a, a consistent liar, <laughs> but being able to start getting up, whether that's, you know, a couple hours before everyone else and not, not perfectly, but I've been able to start getting up in the morning, spending my time reading scripture, journaling, um, praying over my wife, praying over my boys and just, you know, waiting and seeing what God has for me, making sure to get equipped before I start my day so I can start my day full. So therefore I have something to give to my family. It sounds like you had a lot of humility too, because you said, Hey, I don't know it. And I'm going to reach out to this guy and, and see what happens. Humility doesn't always come easy for me. And so um, it, it's getting easier. I'm not saying easy. Don't get me wrong. I'm not, I won't, I won't say it, it's ever easy, but I find as I get older, it's getting easier. How did you work up to that? And then once you got into that mentor mentee relationship, what kinds of things did you do or what kinds of things did you talk about? What did that look like? Leading up to that, my wife and I got married very young. So I was 20, she was 19. And we had Jack, our oldest, 10 months after we got married. So I mean, life just went bang, bang. I mean, it just wow. it kept moving down the road, which was, which looking back, I'm very thankful and God's hand was in it. But realizing some, some pretty rough things that Eric and I had gone through at the beginning of our marriage, realizing I need help. I don't know how to do this. Okay. Like my dad gave me what he could, but it wasn't enough. Mm-hmm. And so I need to go find what I need to do. Okay. So in that, a lot of it was just sitting down and talking to him, to my mentor and saying, hey, this is what's going on in life right now. What would you have me do? And it was kind of like when Paul talks in the New Testament about being fed milk, he gave me a lot of milk. And that's, that's what I needed at the time. Like I needed somebody not necessarily to spoon feed me, quote unquote, religion or like things about the Bible, but just how to do life. I think it was three months after we got married, we bought a small business, an appliance repair company. So I'm running this appliance repair company and I'm newly married and we have a brand new baby. And then we had twins two years later. And I mean, just life just kept cascading. And I just had to sit down and go, I don't know what I'm doing. Help. And so he literally would walk through and say, hey, here's how you relate to Erica. And here's how you would run your business. And here's how you would parent. And just there wasn't, it was one of the first relationships where there wasn't a book. There wasn't a set guideline. He'd give me some scripture and some questions to ponder and come back the next time. But he literally just held my hand and walked me through my 20s. That's awesome. Is that something that you would like to do later on for somebody else? It is. And there's a couple relationships I have in the workplace where I'll intentionally, I haven't been pulled aside yet by somebody, but I've intentionally pulled people aside and just talked to them about life and kind of walked with them. But I feel literally on a daily basis with my five sons, that's what I'm doing. Like I'll sit down with, with the boys, not as much as I should, but I'll sit down and say, Hey, how's life? Talk to me about girls. Talk to me about your friends. Talk to me about what's on your heart. What do you want to do? What are your hopes, your dreams, your fears? So it's been a neat transition to see almost Mm -hmm. like, again, what Paul says, Hey, here's your milk. Mm -hmm. Now I'm at the point where I need to step up. Not that mentors don't have a place in my life, but I also know how to go feed myself now in a healthy way and how to go to God and get that from him and not always have to make a phone call or or reach Mm -hmm. out or find some other man. That's still valuable, but also God saying, Hey, come to me. I'm, I'm your dad. I'll take care of you. You've really committed to setting some intentional time aside, just you and God. 
And we go through this COVID thing and we think, oh, we've got more time. And it's the same amount of time. It's just, what do we do with that time? How did you decide, okay, I need to do it. And then how did you sort of implement? Did it, it was just like, okay, I'm going to draw a line in the sand. This is important. I'm committing to it. What did that look like? Yeah, during COVID, I did not do that intentional <laughs> time. I unplugged and I acted like it was an extended vacation. I worked from home for a month and a half. We would go on bike rides, stay up late, watch movies, completely unplug, you know, just vacation. So I think it was about probably July or okay. August. Um, I listened to a lot of motivational speakers and one of the guys really said very plainly, if you don't connect with God as the source each day, and equip yourself. There was two guys actually. One talked about, you know, you're in a battleground. And when you wake up each morning, you're literally entering the battlefield. What soldier would not load his machine gun, would not put on his body armor, would not grab his hand grenades, would not put on his flak jacket, his helmet, his boots? Like what soldier would not walk into the battlefield unprepared? And the other guy said, the only way for you to succeed in life is to daily connect with your father, God, your creator. And if you're not doing that, you can't expect anything really to go well. Not that God's going to curse you, but if you aren't hearing from, for a military term, if you're not hearing from your commander, if you're not hearing your marching orders, if you're not understanding what you're supposed to be doing or what you're called to that day or what you're supposed to focus on, you're going to haphazard throughout your day and at the end look back and go, I don't even know what I accomplished or didn't accomplish or I accomplished what I wanted, what was important to me, and that's going to leave me feeling empty. So through those motivational speakers, I just said, all right, 5 a.m. every morning, that alarm is going to go off and I don't have to be to work till 7.30. I got to leave the house at 7. So 5 to 7, I have to sit down and just, that has to be my time. You really have to stand watch and be that defensive line for your family. So what does that look like for you on a daily, weekly basis, if you will? Uh, I start with a good cup of black coffee. Absolutely. <laughs> that's important. I'm with you there. I, I, that, that helps me a lot too. <laughs> full, full glass of water, good cup of black coffee. Absolutely. Um, I have several things that I do um, with that. And I know it sounds funny, but just as I, I look at things holistically, that's mm -hmm. my exercise time too. And I know that sounds funny, but I'll wake up, I'll get a glass of water. I make my coffee. And again, for my motivational speakers, that first 15 to 20 minutes of your morning, mm -hmm. whatever you put into your mind sets the tone for that day. So while my water's boiling and I'm getting ready to do my pour over, I have my Bible app open and I look at the verse of the day. That's where I start. Then I'll sit down and I open up uh, uh, 31 days of prayer for my wife. It's a book, okay. it's a journal. Um, and I open that up and there's a scripture that I read through then there's a prayer that you say, and then there's a journaling. And I'll try to put down four to five sentences specifically covering Erica for that day. Mm. And then I'll jump up and I'll do some push-ups and some jumping jacks because I'm usually, you know, starting to get a little bit bleary-eyed by then. And I'll move around a little bit, sit back down on the couch, and then I'll go to my journal. And so I'll write out what's on my heart. Uh, what do I need from God today? What do I need to surrender? What's bothering me? What burden do I need to give to him? And then I'll sit there for a moment and just kind of think, and I'll wait. And usually it'll end up being like, oh, I don't know where that verse is, but I know the concept. And I'll just, I'll have my phone right there. I punch it into Google and, you know, uh, where's that verse come to me who are weary and heavy laden? And I'll look it up. Oh, that's, you know, Luke 14, 10. I have no idea if that's what it is, but, you know, I'll look it up and I, I write that verse down and then I'll maybe put two to three sentences 
after that journaling, or I'll just stop and pray about that. Wow. That's typically what that morning routine will look like. Oh, wow. That sounds great. Sounds like you're doing just a lot of really intentional stuff and really listening and waiting upon God as you're doing this. No longer is my identity I work for or I do. My identity is I'm a follower of Christ. I'm a husband and I'm a father. And by the way, I do need to provide for my family. God, what work would you have me to do to provide for that? But that has actually taken a backseat. And that's been hard. There's been a lot of financial pressure, a lot of financial pushback. I mean, that's been, COVID has disrupted my job. Like I've taken a drastic pay cut this year. But with that, God has realigned my heart and I have a peace about it. Like I know it's going to work out. I'm not, Mm -hmm. I'm worried, but I'm not worried about it. Like I know Mm -hmm. what I'm supposed to do. And I know just like I'll, if my kids come to me and say, dad, I'm hungry, I'll make them something to eat and give it to them. Mm -hmm. So if I go to my father and I say, Hey, Abba, father, daddy, I need, I need my house payment to be paid. I need my food on my table. He's Mm -hmm. going to do the same for me. Like I don't, Mm -hmm. I I worry about it, but I don't like, what good's it going to do? It is definitely a growth thing over time as he works in us and trying to teach, equip, have conversations. What's that look like this week, this month? So I challenge the three older boys uh, who are now, my twins are 13 and my oldest is 15, challenging them to read through the Bible in a year. And that went well until school started. And school's been different this year and challenging. And so by August, that kind of petered out. And, and I know initially I went to look at it like, oh, that was a failure. I didn't have them complete that. I'm doing it. They're not. But God helped me understand that that was good for the time. Mm-hmm. And now it's more, I'll just walk up to them and say, hey, did you spend time with God today? And just helping them to understand like he's there wanting to spend time with you. He wants to hear from you through prayer or through journaling and he wants you to hear from him through being quiet and the, the things that the spirit prompts on your heart or through a scripture that will bring to your mind or something like that. So it looks like now just making your walk with Christ, just it, making it normal, just intentionally several times a week, making sure that, hey, this is who we are. It's part of us. This is what we do. I don't have to stress out. It doesn't have to be regimented. Just relax. And again, yeah, I love this making it normal. Each of those things that you said is absolutely true. And so it doesn't have to necessarily be a big long anything. It's simply recognizing where God is at work in the moments. Jack's 15, Lincoln's seven. Mm -hmm. As they have gotten older, your relationship with them has changed over time and it will continue to do that. As you look ahead, where are you trying to steer them in terms of life, in terms of faith? Where, do you, where are you trying to get them? One thing that I have to constantly remind myself is that I'm, I'm not raising kids, I'm raising men. And I know that sounds all proper and, and special, but I, I have to keep that end in mind. Like I'm raising them to go out and to be men. So as the boys get older, like with my oldest Jack being 15, He's at the point where the relationship looks different that I'm, I'm more coming alongside of him. He knows right. He knows wrong. Mm-hmm. But, and he's, very, he's a very wise young man. He's a very godly young man. But yet his brain is not as mature as, say, a 30 or a 40-year-old would be. In right. some instances, it's more mature than a 30 <laughs> or 40-year-old. It just depends. But So coming alongside with him where if he has a, a question or if he has an important, important choice to make, Rather than telling him the right answer, I have to help him discover the right answer. 
So for example, their nanny goes, Hey dad, I'm thinking about getting this Zig game and it's, uh, it has zombies in it and it has chainsaw tanks and zombie attack and this and that. And I said, okay, um, how would you feel? And then I switched the question on him. How would you feel if I came home and said, I'm going to get this game or I'm going to do this or something to that effect. And he kind of looked at me and he goes, well, I wouldn't let you get that game. I said, Oh, <laughs> and then he goes, yeah, I guess that wouldn't be a good idea. Would it, but helping him, like there's going to be a day where I can't tell him what to do mm-hmm. unless he, I mean, if he asks me, I'll get my opinion, but helping with him now, his younger brothers who are 13, there's times where, yes, I've begun to do that. The seven to nine year old. No, you just, you tell them, Hey, this is what's happening. And this is why, but as they get older, you explain it and still, and I let them know, I say, Hey, someday I'm not going to be there. And you're going to be faced with a decision that you have to make. And my job is to equip you to have your heart tender and open to the Holy Spirit. All of my sons have accepted Christ. And I'm, I'm so very thankful for that. But I'm saying you have to make that connection and hear and listen to that spirit. Because someday you're going to be posed with a question where I can't help you. I'm not going to be there and it's going to be up to you. Because mm. again, I want them to make bad decisions. I want them to fail. I want them to mess up in my home Mm-hmm. under my care with me beside them. I, I've told them many times, I'm so glad you're learning this at 13, then 33. Like this is an important, this is, it's okay. I'm not mad at you. You just fell flat on your face. And that's, that was a, that was a complete wrong decision. It's all right. I'm going to help you. Let's get back up and figure out what we should have done. It's a safe time to fail right now. It's safe. The consequences today are just like you said they are different than they are at 33 and at you know 53 and so being able to create that safe environment is huge also with that um i'll say it out loud like i know on saturday i I was driving with the three older boys i was coming home from a haircut and i said there's nothing that you will ask me about or bring up or want to talk about that i'll look at you like you're an alien i said literally Mm. ask me anything like, I don't care what it is. And another thing, I know it's kind of funny, but the Bible does not mince words. No. And so a lot of those stories, I would get pulled aside and be like, dad, I was in Deuteronomy. And what does this mean? And I'd be like, okay. And sometimes I'd be like, well, this is what it means. And sometimes I'd say, you know what? That conversation we will have in about two to three years. At this point, you don't mm-hmm. need to know what that means. You can't carry that. But thank you for bringing it to me. And we'll talk about it as you get older. But I mean, that, that was, that really opened up the door. I had a lot of interesting questions asked to me about while they were reading through the Old Testament. There is nothing gentle about scripture. The human condition is laid out in its most base form. The scripture writers didn't sugarcoat it. But I thought what you said was really powerful too, is that depending on their age, you welcome the question, but then you said, Let's have that conversation in a couple of years when you're developmentally ready to have that conversation. Sure. I think that's really important because depending on where they're at, there's context. There's just a, a slew of things that they are either ready for or not quite ready for. And so you're trying to be very age specific, not, not shying away from anything, but at the same time, trying to meet them where they're at yeah to people listening to young i'll say young married guys who you know they have young children 
what would you say to them? If you could say one or two, what's the most important things that they either need to know or actions that you would encourage them to take? What's something you would tell them? So three things popped in my mind and I'll try to keep them brief, but no, you're fine. The, the first thing I think mornings, the preferred time, you have to intentionally take time for God every day. Okay. And if you can only start with five or 10 minutes, that's fine. But you have to get that time in where you're reading scripture, you're praying. I highly recommend journaling, but you're spending that time before God saying, what's going on inside of me? What do you want me to know? What am I not doing that, that, that you want me to do? What am I doing that doesn't please you? Like just bearing your heart before God and saying, I literally need you today. If, I, if you don't show up in my life today, there's a very high probability that I will mess it up and people will get hurt and people will be left unprotected and untaken care of. Second thing, finding a particular person who could mentor you like I did. Mm -hmm. Um, If you can find somebody a couple years down the road that you can just maybe have coffee with once or twice a month connecting and saying, Hey, in your marriage, how did you handle this? It may be your pastor. You may go to your pastor and say, you know, hey, is there somebody a couple years down the road that would spend time with me? You know, you, that, that doesn't, it doesn't come quickly. It doesn't come easily. And with that, a second part to that, finding a group of guys that you can connect with. So mm-hmm. many men go alone. I have a group of guys that I meet with once a week, every week, and I can call them and I do call them almost every day. So, I mean, I have a group of guys around me at the same stage of life that I'm walking with. I think there's six of them. And I can call them and ask them anything, tell them anything, share anything with them. And they are there to hold me accountable, to support me, to pray for me, to call me out at times, to call me up. Like they, they, they love me enough to say, hey, what you're doing is wrong. Or hey, what you're doing is right. Like they're there with me. And then um, the third thing, um, and I, I hate to put this as third, but walk with your wife. Share what God's doing in your heart pray with her every day, try to intentionally share something with her that God taught you, whether that's a verse or a sermon or just, just an idea or something he spoke to you, but every day connect with her. Like you literally are her priest. You're her leader. You're her protector. Um, just like, I'm going to think how that goes. So there's God, there's Christ, there's the church, there's you, there's your wife. Like literally you need to draw from God every day. And then be able to give and protect protect her. Like I tell the boys all the time, when I get to heaven someday, I, I am going to be solely responsible for how I protected and cared for your mother and how I protected and cared for you boys. And you're truly following God. I feel that that's going to set you up, that no matter what happens around you, you're going to be okay and you're going to be following after God. That's really encouraging. Um, I appreciate it. We've had a great conversation. I've enjoyed this. We're going to have to get together and take a yeah, walk or have a cup of coffee again and just, just catch up and do, do some more of this. But uh, Sounds good. I enjoyed it. That was a great conversation with Daniel Sohar. I made a bunch of notes uh, from the conversation, and I was really challenged and encouraged by him and, and just his life, his family, his walk with the Lord. Three things that jumped out at me. Uh, The first was just making faith in Christ normal in our conversations with our family. Sometimes it's pointing out the beauty in in God's creation and how He has made the world. Sometimes it is pointing out how the Lord has uniquely made us as human beings and how He loves us and that 
uh, the importance of our relationship with Christ. Uh, sometimes it's just bringing up Scripture as, as we go through it, as we are learning and pointing it out to our kids and having those conversations. Uh, just building that rapport and, and helping them to see that, that faith in Christ uh, is normal. Uh, it's not for special people. It is simply uh, for everybody pursuing Christ. The second thing is that the importance of growing and spending intentional time with, uh, with Jesus on a daily basis, that idea that, that we are not, that we are walking into a battle every day, you know, that we do not, you know, the, the Bible talks about in Ephesians, you know, we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. And so every day we are walking into that battlefield. And so we need to, to prepare ourselves for that and be aware of it. Uh, because this is a battle that has eternal consequences. This isn't just simply... Um, a minor, a minor scuffle. This has eternal consequences. And the third thing that, that really jumped out at me was just making home a safe place for conversations about faith, about family, about life. And that, you know, that means, you know, no guilt, no shame, no anything. And just being very vocal and saying, you know, anything's open. Let's have those conversations. The Bible's very clear in a whole lot of places, and it definitely warrants conversations. And so how can I make home a safe place? Not only have conversations, but when my kids are younger, uh, before they move out, just a safe place to fail, to make mistakes, to learn, uh, all of those things that I need to do as, as, as a husband, as a father, uh, just really instill in my family. So right now, as you're listening to this, what is one takeaway that you have? What is one action item that you're like, yeah, I need to, I need to start doing that. So just even if you need to pause the recording, if you need to just take a, you know, stop the car, um, tell somebody, write it down. But what one thing is the Lord calling you to do based on this conversation that you just listened to? And lastly, I just want to make sure that if you haven't subscribed, please subscribe to this podcast. That way the next episode will drop right into your playlist. Uh, you can find us uh, at www.entrustingthefaith.com. That's our website. Uh, you can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, uh, at Entrusting the Faith. Check us out on YouTube. Uh, also want to make you aware of uh, my latest book, uh, that's out leading well at home, how husbands and fathers can biblically lead their families. You can find it through our website, through Amazon, through any online retailer, uh, whether it's in print or in ebook form. And lastly, just remember, the legacies are built a day at a time. So start now.